This podcast was recorded for the Sound Environment Show on Radio Galari. Radio Galari is a community radio station based in the Kimberley, Western Australia. For more information, go to www.galari.com. And tonight in the studio, we've got Jodie Lynch. She's from Horizon Power and she is the Retail and Community Manager. Welcome to the show. Thank you. And this is part of our Can the Kimberley Go Renewable series. Uh, so we've already talked to a few people who work in the renewable energy um, sector as academics and they reckon there's a pretty strong possibility. But tonight we will see, you know, from the point of view of the organisation that is providing everyone with the power, what you reckon about it. <laughs> so just to start off with, can you tell us a bit about... Um, Horizon Power's role in the Kimberley, you know, how much of the power in the Kimberley is supplied by Horizon Power and of that, how much is from renewable sources and how much is from fossil fuels? That's a, a fairly big <laughs> a big question, but what I might talk a little bit about is, is firstly um, Horizon Power. Obviously, um, our role as the network operator sees us operating in some fairly uh, diverse networks. So some are very similar. Some are obviously like Broome is provided by um, you know a gas power station with some diesel backup, but we've got some different mixes throughout the Kimberley. So oh, yeah. it's a really large network. Um, overall, our, our service area is 2.3 million square kilometres and and not a lot of people within that. So that in itself presents uh, quite a few challenges for around 42,000 of our customers. But um, I think the short answer to your question is is absolutely... but it's it's how we get there. It's how we execute mm. that. That's um that's where Horizon Power is looking. Sure, and I mean I guess the Kimberley is quite different from the southwest. I mean in the southwest, there's the grid. I'm not sure how much connectivity there is up here between different towns and communities, and what possibility there is to imp- improve that in the future. Do you have much of a sense of? that what what you've just said there is absolutely the critical part around how we we move forward with renewables in the Kimberley so for example Broome is not interconnected so if if we have um, um, an issue with with Broome we're, we're not automatically drawing on on another network as say you would in the southwest but we, we've worked out that the, the way to overcome that, and, and we can talk a little bit more about this later, is, is to try and design some, some systems that are going to make the best of, of what we do have in a region. So, for example, in the community of Yungara, which is, is very isolated and very difficult to, to serve in the sense that the diesel costs there are really high for the community and for us as an operator, it's a noisy power station. But, but now we see they have a, a brand new uh, solar farm there that is, is finishing its final commissioning stages at the moment. Oh, that's and exciting. It's, it's exciting, particularly for the community, given that it, it was only a few years ago in 2012 that we, we built them an, a new power station, which was diesel at the time, and upgraded all those customers to a, a more normalised network, if you like. But what the community wanted to see and what we were hoping to see as a, as a business was some investment by government in something that would reduce the the, the burden to, to serve the customers when there's only a few and, and to make it something that other people might use as a, a destination to visit because this will be a solar farm that is serving the community and, and we're hoping that you know the renewable sector might see it as an opportunity to visit, see how our remote community utility worker out there operates there. His name is Kumi and he's he's been living there for a long time. So it's, it's very exciting and... Uh, I, it comes on the back of the two 
solar farms that we have at Marble Bar and Nullagine and and just to give you some ideas around how that that does have an impact on on the footprint I guess is that those two systems alone are generating 1,048 megawatts of solar per year which is saving 1,100 tonnes of greenhouse gases a year in around 35 to 40 percent or 405,000 litres of fuel so this is a genuine impact. Sorry how how much fuel was that saving? 405,000 litres. 405,000 litres so nearly kind of getting close to half a million litres of Mm. fuel that's so that's really so, significant. So this community, um, does that mean their diesel generator is just going to get turned off? No. Stay that's, as the backup? Or? It'll be the backup. And you, you're dead right. You've got to have a contingency. You can't allow people to, I mean, it's legislated. We That's that's the challenge for us in trying to bring in as many, as much renewable as people are desiring, but within the requirements that currently we have to provide that reliable, safe supply for everybody regardless of whether or not they have renewables and regardless of whether or not there's there's you know cloud cover on that day so so for younger community they have diesel as their backup but you know obviously that's um that's something that we would need to ensure that they've got that in in the event and it does it's done it's done it so far you know you'll have a cloud come over and Mm -hmm. unfortunately you've got to have that that spinning reserve available so that you're not disadvantaging people for the purpose of you know um one one sort of energy so they don't have a battery system at all they have a system built into it yes they do have a battery system built into it but they also have diesel as a backup if the solar and the battery fails right yeah yeah i mean i guess i imagine that the battery can only hold power for a certain amount of time and you could have sure potential you know perhaps a week on a you know really bad week in the wet season. Yeah, it's, so. to, it's to basically ride through mm. those cloud events. So mm. they ref, they refer to it as a solar smoothing um, system. So those larger <laughs> systems, solar sounds so lovely, doesn't it? Uh, yeah. th- those systems are basically um, designed w- with that that kind of weather there in, in, mm-hmm. in mind because Yungara does get a fantastic you know uh, build up and wet season, and then yeah, it gets sure. it gets all that lovely predictable cloud free uh, time as well. So as I said, we're commissioning that now. The reliability testing's looking good um, and the community essentially are looking to um, hopefully have a minister uh, attend in around March once um, the kids are back at school and we're going to get them excited about their solar farm. That's fantastic. Yeah. Is it more expensive to install a solar farm than it is to have a conventional diesel? Well, I suppose it is more expensive because you need two systems running concurrently. I've answered my own question there. (laughs) You should be working for us. Um, I guess the question is, you know, over what time period does not having to use all that fuel pay Mm. for for the solar farm? Yeah, Mm. what's the payback period? Yeah, look, I I couldn't give you a figure on that. I do know that we we got assistance with this from the federal government and obviously these things are, you know, many years in the main. But when you have large communities that love where they live and they um, are very resilient anyway, they but they want to see something that makes the most of what they do have as well. So this is not going to um, necessarily... Um, change the world in terms of they've had fairly good reliability anyway but again I come back to what we're excited about is that this is something that community can market if you like to the renewable um, sector and say come and look at at how we operate out here and um, learn a bit about the community at the same time so they are very excited. Mm. Oh, great to hear 
um, that that one's getting commissioned and it's just about to, I don't know, be be opened. Like to hear more about that when it's online. Yeah, something I am wondering about though. So you've got it sounds like a couple of places where solar has been really you know quite successful and it's saving a lot of fuel, but there's only you know there's only a few and I think you know there's hundreds of uh, I think <laughs> is it is it hundreds of small communities and towns throughout the Kimberley I can't remember the exact figure what's the I guess what is the longer term plan for introducing a larger portion of renewables throughout the Kimberley so what what we determined in 2012 that w- was that we weren't seeing enough investment in renewables in let's say the towns that probably would get a really huge boost from having it in the sense that they perhaps were running on diesel or very very isolated high running costs for them and for for the community to um, to live there so even though they're paying the same price for their power there's obviously a, an impact on on government so in 2012 we introduced a technical requirements control in relation to generation management but what we also did was we changed the prices and available hosting capacity or the buyback if you like to try and encourage some installers to get out of perhaps the major towns and and, and not to say that we don't want to see investment in major towns but what we weren't seeing was enough investment in really remote places so Ardaloon for example or Bijidanga to the south which is also in our in our network and what we've seen is that places like Moenjum put a, a fairly large system onto um, their community buildings and have, have, have seen some benefit from that. But they are a large community and perhaps mm-hmm. have the capacity to do the planning, acquire the funding and to deliver that project. So ultimately we have had some... Uh, some requests recently for the available capacity that is in those towns and we're hoping to see perhaps and and I'll use an example I won't talk about specifics because um, this is between those applications and and um, our team yep but what we would love to see and we think we're going to see is applications from say community-owned stores where if you get a community-owned store that really can do some long-term planning around the reductions to operate and some real community ownership over that that one large installation I think that's where the gains are going to come equally we're seeing interest now from the government in terms of remote schools Uh, remote police buildings is another area that we see opportunities for because government can plan it can budget um, and those sites we think um, would do very well so we are seeing uh, that the buyback price does dictate where investment goes and that's one area where we've tried to invest but the, the second thing we did in 2013 was to try and overcome this barrier of of getting renewables into the Kimberley is introducing um, the WA Renewable Energy Technology Challenge. So we partnered with the Department of Commerce and the Pilbara Development Commission to encourage installers and um, I suppose the companies that are going to be needed as part of this to start investing in generation management to get some systems that were coming down in price and that's what we're seeing now and we have seen obviously a big system go into Broome with generation management down at the Kimberley Land Council building. So tonight, Caitlin and I have been having a chat with Jodie Lynch. She is the Retail and Community Manager from Horizon Power and um, just working through our question of can the Kimberley go renewable? Jodie was just uh, telling us uh, that when you are looking at communities and small towns around the the Kimberley, there is a lot of potential to um, put solar on the roofs of 
government and um, I don't know community, community buildings. buildings. So um, I don't know if, other than those two opportunities, whether Horizon Power has any greater plan um, to you know perhaps get some microgrids growing going or to have more communities like the ones that you're describing that do have a solar farm is that something that we might see in the future look there's always uh, potential and 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 as you know the technology is changing every day so i guess our main function as a, a government trading enterprise is to to fulfill our our main goal which is to make sure that whatever we are doing it's not disadvantaging um customers who perhaps aren't in a position to either as an individual pursue renewables or or as a, a business or a community organization but there's always areas that we can um be innovative with and, and one of the areas that we talked about a little bit earlier during the break is around around pricing and putting some pricing signals in there for um, for example uh, government and the government tariff we discussed has has um, been put up to be more cost reflective only in the last few months to encourage that investment. Yeah, you were saying that prior to that the government tariff was really really low so any government building didn't have a very high power cost is that right? That's right and, and it's probably um, not a good incentive to, to drive um, a change in, in behaviour or, or practices if, if the price point isn't there. So we know that people do respond um, to price and we know that there was obviously a change with um, government repealing the, the carbon tax recently and we were obliged by law to give that money back to customers. But I, w- I would be honest with you and say, um, you know, we, we have we would rarely go a day where we don't have a conversation either within our organisation or outside it about how do we get more renewables in, into the network because any sensible person knows that we've got we've got to keep changing and moving and we see the pace of change every day. So for us it's about trying to get involved in some of the um, research and development opportunities that come up either, either through, um, as I said, the... Um, Renewable uh, Energy Technology Challenge um, and working with, um, you know, the, the guys and gals who've, who've, who've got some of those things in place. So towards um, the next few years, what we would hope is that we're obviously putting in these new metres into all of our homes and businesses and we're probably about... Uh, a month away from going live with Broom, for example, but we have had these meters working in the remote communities of the Fitzroy Valley since last year. And what what we're trying to balance is um, for individuals, people like to know what their consumption is doing and they can change their behaviours, but ultimately it's got to be a mixture. So um, working with price signals, working with technology and, and working with government and industry to try and get more renewables where we can. Mm. And obviously solar farms are obviously a large part of that for us because we are we are the, the network operator. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, well, there's a few different things, as you're saying, that need to go in the mix. And I guess when we are talking about renewables, it's important not to forget that um, demand management side. And that's, you know, everyone just using the power they need and not being wasteful because it doesn't matter where your power is coming from whether it's renewable or fossil fuels there's you know no sense in us generating more power you know needing to generate more power than is needed because people aren't efficient um but just leaving that 
that aside for a moment, maybe we can talk a little bit more about what's happening with solar in Broome. If I'm a householder in Broome and I want to put solar panels on my roof, what's the um, what's the deal with that at the moment? So Broome obviously had a really um, strong uptake from from customers when the solar buyback um, rate was introduced. As did you know the Swiss, which is what we call the the customers down south, if you like, anywhere the Swiss. <laughs> yeah, the Swiss. And I haven't the, heard that one. Before. <laughs> where the Nis, and then there's the Newis, which is the the Port Hedland Caratha area. So, Broome. Oh, so, what is what is Swiss? South, southwest interconnected system. Oh, yeah. southwest interconnected yeah. system. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, there are quite a few towns in the network actually that had huge uptake. Carnarvon was another um, town that, if you drive around Carnarvon, you will see solar everywhere and. Um, so they, they yeah, they, they were very successful. Um, Shark Bay, Denham, or Denham, I think, was the other one. Uh, the Kimberley had um, good solid uptake, which um, was pleasing because obviously um, a lot of people want to move in that direction. But what we found was the the limit, if you like, for what what could be safely managed in terms of managing those peaks um, had been met. So currently, we still have available capacity if people um, are able to with their technical requirements put in place um, a generation management system and obviously that can be expensive if um, you only want to put on say five or ten kilowatts so what we're seeing is although the price is coming down for those um, battery systems or generation management for um, the larger installations for the smaller installation it's probably not coming down as much as people would like so what we would say is if you're if you're dead keen and you want to know more your, your local installer is going to be your best bet to begin with but to jump onto our website and register that you're interested so that you can be receiving the most up-to-date info that your installer is and, and having a talk to the local depot. Mm. So what it sounds like you're saying is at the moment people can't have a solar panel on a house that just feeds straight into the grid? Not With, uh, not if they didn't have generation okay. management. And so, but they... But it's a possibility if they've got a generation management system and an example of a generation management system is a battery setup. Yep. 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 Um, so are there any... If people do want to install solar and a battery in their in their house, are there any particular requirements from Horizon Power... Um, Yep, they're, they're fairly, um, you know, they are technical requirements that, you know, would outline all, all the things that make sure that that sharp rise um, in demand isn't going to be an issue for, firstly, for the customer in terms of their safety and because it's a connection between them and, and, and us and also for our staff. So the technical requirements are basically... Um, are dealt with through the installer and the assessors and uh, there's an eligibility calculator on the website so people can take some of that hassle out without having gone to see an installer if they like or just pop a quick um, note through to the products team and they can talk to them about whether or not it's something that they can pursue in the short term but again this is something that we are seeing huge change in every day and i I think that we would be having a very different conversation in, say, another six months as the price of this this battery, the battery systems on the market keeps coming down. Yeah, I mean, that is changing, you know, pretty rapidly, as we've we've heard from um, a few different people, including Dr. Mark Diesendorf. Is there, I mean, given that technology is changing so quickly and um, batteries just as you know as one component of that are getting so much cheaper what's the long-term plan from horizon power will you need to change your commercial model 
The model is, is always changing. I mean, the model changed when we introduced a buyback rate and obviously the model changes depending on um, new towns that come in and um, come into our network. So that, that happens steadily. What I would probably say we will see over the next few years is that customer demand will drive uh, legislative change. So if, if customers are prepared to perhaps accept a different level of um, reliability in the sense that we have, uh, they're called SADIE and SAFI, their duration of outage and frequency of outage statistics, customers expect, and as I've said before, legislation says, Horizon Power, you will not disadvantage the customer here just because they don't have solar. So to put that the systems in place and the capital in place to make sure that that's there is not it's not a two-year plan, it's a 10-year plan and, and building more turbines is not necessarily the answer. So it's managing those two things with customers and, um, you know, the retail sector pushing what they want and obviously for Horizon Power, we're a fairly small organisation, much much smaller than a Western Power and we think that we're fairly well placed to, to start to take on some of these challenges. But again, it will, it will come down to being pushed by customers to keep offering uh, more and and as long as we can do that safely, um, we have an obligation to do that and we're fairly confident that we can continue to do that. This is a sound environment. I'm Kat. I'm here with Caitlin and also Jodie Lynch, the Retail and Community Manager from, Hor- from Horizon Power. Power. Uh, so, Jodie, you, we were just talking about solar power in Broome. Um, as a you know, a, a way that Broome can incorporate renewable energy into our into the mix. Um, but you mentioned uh, limited capacity. Can you tell us a bit more about that? I can. So the capacity changes according to what applications are coming in on the market and what solar is being installed, and obviously that's ever changing. So. Obviously, in Broome, there is um, a lot of demand. So we're probably looking at the figures that you would see on the website, um, obviously, um, would show that there is available capacity left in Broome. But what our message would be to anybody looking to install is to be getting uh, organised very quickly and making contact with our team because those figures do get adjusted. But ultimately, um, once that capacity for the moment is um, taken up, and that's through generation management, um, we may not see available capacity for some time again, and, and that would obviously change depending on what's, what else is going on in the network, so whether there was expansion or whether there might be systems that uh, were no longer operating in the way that they were. But we do want to hear from people early because a lot of organisations have been planning these applications and um, are keen to get their solar on and start seeing some results. Mm-hmm. So so as, as someone who doesn't understand much about how the electricity network works uh, I mean you know it, it's natural to think that you know I'm installing solar how, how is there a lack of capacity for installing solar how, how does you know what is it that's causing there to be a limit to how much solar we can install so obviously the power station has um, a fair degree of ramp up time that it needs if there's a sharp decline in um, what's being produced on a house so for example you may see cloud cover that we can predict and, and get an idea of what the weather is doing but ultimately demand is quite variable according to whether people are even at home at the time so demand will go up and down cloud cover will come over and, 
and, and move away. And a power station is a fairly traditional way of generating power. So um, that spinning reserve needs to be able to move quickly, uh, but ultimately it can only move as, as fast as um, the technology will allow for it to do it safely. So to avoid outages in relation to that ramp-up time, we need to have a balanced um, way of seeing that the power comes through the system. Mm. So, so, so ultimately the, the old gas power station needs to be able to cover everyone's usage um, when the sun isn't available. That's exactly right. <laughs> it's actually that simple. And as sophisticated as these systems can be, they still need um, a degree of, of ramp-up time that allows that to also happen within the limits of what is safe so that we're not blowing people's uh, equipment. We have industry to think about. We, we have everybody's safety to think about. So it's a fairly um, stable system, but um, we believe that the, the technology and generation management is allowing people to, to get access to that. But as I've said, the message is it, it may not always be in the same volume as it is right now so um, we'd love to hear from you. Mm. So when Broom hits maximum capacity how much of on a typical day how much of the power will be generated by solar and how much will be generated by the power station? I can't give you that split unfortunately um, but obviously um, we can do some digging and try and get some more stats if people are interested but um, yeah. Oh. Just out of that. curiosity, yeah. yeah. No, we'll find out. We'll put it on our Facebook page. <laughs> <laughs> and um, all right, I guess just before we finish our chat with you, Jody, uh, to go back to our question: Can the Kimberley go renewable? And I guess we would be thinking maybe one day, one hundred percent renewable. Do you think yes or no? Um, and. Um, would you like to comment on that? I, I would love to be around if, if that was the case. Um, not sure about 100%. I think there's always going to be contingency that people in this day and age uh, expect, demand, want. Um, we know what it's like when the power goes out for five, ten minutes, but I think everybody's moving more towards a more realistic expectation as, um, as, we, as we move forward. So uh, I'd love to see more renewables in the Kimberley for sure. 